0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. A reminder about the daily poll at Accessible Media on X, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. It's been about three years since Greyhound shut down bus routes between Canadian cities. How has that impacted you and your region? A lot? A little? Or not at all? Of course, with that decrease in intercity bus routes, it's left quite a few Canadians stranded, and it's an issue that reporter Megan Gilmore has been covering. Megan is a reporter with Canadian Affairs. Hey, good morning, Megan.
1: Good morning, Dave.
0: Megan, what's your reaction to that daily poll? I know this isn't just about Greyhound, but Greyhound was obviously a big piece of the puzzle.
1: Right, well, first of all, I'm honoured that the daily poll was inspired by this segment. (laughs) Um, I would say my region... Probably at least a little. Uh, So I was in Toronto when Greyhound left. Um, I'm in Ottawa now. And yeah, like there isn't, buses. I mean like I guess there's mega bus and we'll get into this a bit more uh, in the segment but yeah it's yeah it's been it's been impacted
0: yeah I, th- I think for someone who's sort of in that Toronto core through Montreal and Ottawa mm-hmm. it's not a massive impact because there are a lot of options that you have available to you but that's perhaps as you nationalize the issue there are a lot of pockets of this country where there are big problems with bus service intercity bus service not public transit intercity bus service.
1: Yes, yes, totally. Uh, So that's really the big picture we're talking about today is the lack of inner city buses, which is buses that go between cities. And I can hear all of you including myself say but megan there's lots of problems with public municipal transit to which i say i know yeah.
0: i live in ottawa <laughs> but we can walk and shoot point... we can walk and chew gum at the same time. same
1: time yeah but the point of this segment right now is about the bus services that go between cities now in may of last year a uh, uh, house of commons committee did a report on the lack of inner city bus services. And according to some of the people who testified in, the, in front of this committee, before the pandemic, there was more than a thousand bus companies in Canada, which blew my mind. I think this would also include like coach services, like tour bus operators, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But more than a thousand bus companies. And since then uh, hundreds have left cutting potentially thousands of routes, which means that across this country as a whole, there is a great lack of inner-city bus services.
0: Where are the areas that are most impacted by this?
1: Sure, that's a really great question. So there's an obvious answer and a not-so-obvious answer. And the first obvious answer is Western Canada. So Greyhound, when they began to leave Canada, that actually started in 2018 when they cut their Western services. Um, So think, like, anywhere west of Ontario, uh, that's what we're talking about. There's actually a map um, that I found when I was researching this article. Uh, There's a, a, a geographer who's mapped out all the transit routes in Canada that he can find. So buses, trains, ferries, this whole type of thing. And he'll talk about like once you get to certain parts of Saskatchewan and Alberta, like there's just nothing. Like he's like, there aren't buses. Um, but then so that, that's a really obvious one. But then also some places in southwestern Ontario or southern Ontario in general, um, there's not bus services. So he pointed to the example of take London, Ontario, and the nearby city of St. Thomas. And a lot of people who, like, work in London, live in St. Thomas, vice versa, there's no bus between those two cities. Yeah. Uh, So there are, like, really, if you're not in, like, I hate to say it, if you're not in, like, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Quebec City, and maybe some parts um, of Vancouver area, you're really kind of out of luck.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it is very much an urban-rural issue, but has significant impact on urban individuals as well if they need to get anywhere, especially if you consider people who might be more economically uh, disadvantaged or people who don't have as many transportation options. And I think that's fundamentally why this issue matters.
1: Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And, like, they... To be fair, like there are smaller regional companies who are kind of stepping in and filling in the gaps. So, Atlantic Canada, there is the maritime uh, bus company that services New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI. And when you talk to that company about, like, you know, like, what are the things that you do, some things that they'll talk about is, Carrying freight and cargo, like carrying blood, like blood from donor clinics yep. gets on a bus and it gets sent same day service. Why? Because transportation policy impacts healthcare. care. Um, it impacts the ability of people to go to school, uh, especially in post-secondary education. Right. They hop on a bus and go to college. Go to university, go to a trade school type thing. Um, It also it's a big safety concern, particularly when we talk about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Uh, One of the key one of the findings of that commission was the need for intercity bus service and for women or anybody who's fleeing a domestic violence situation getting out, having a reliable bus and you're not going to be stranded on a highway in the middle of nowhere and that's a really big big safety concern um particularly when you're talking about missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and then basically employment like if you can't like if you're restricted for your job options based on where you live and what the bus services are for you For
0: someone who's staying very busy with a lot of the reporting you're doing and you're covering a lot of different Things so mm-hmm. you had a chance to take a look at corporate initiatives and how they're shifting in the direction of diversity, equity, yep. and inclusion. This is something that the founder of Completely Inclusive, Kelly Brown Johnson, has explored on the show. And you've actually got some data here in regards to something that was done by TD Bank.
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll take a step back and kind of just set this up, There's been a lot of shifts in the world of corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion Um, in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. uh, There's a lot more public interest around that. That is kind of shifting a bit right now uh, with some large corporations like Google and Meta announcing that they're laying off uh, good portions of teams that were devoted to these topics. But at the same time, TD Bank recently became the first Canadian bank and one of the first companies in Canada to re, to publicly release a diversity audit, uh, that's the numbers of women or black and indigenous employees in the company. Uh, and then all, like also looked at like corporate, like across TD bank, what are their hiring practices? What are their training practices? How do they talk about diversity? Uh, that type of things. So, um, They focused on a few data points. One is that TD had exceeded a commitment it made in 2020 to double the number of black employees in North America who are in vice president or higher roles by 2022. So they did meet that goal, Uh, but they still are working on meeting the goals of having 45% of senior positions in Canada be filled by women by 2025. So they're working on it and the auditor says that, they, they could make it. Um, and they also have a goal of increasing the number of Indigenous, Black, or other racialized employees by 25%. And the report says that while they haven't met that target, they are likely on track to meet it.
0: Megan, on the surface, transparency and data points are generally a good thing. But there are a few people mm-hmm. that you spoke to in your reporting who took some issues with yep. these audits. What are the problems they laid out?
1: Sure. So one of the uh, like just general facts about it is, yeah, it gives you a lot of good data, but what are you gonna do with it, right? So, like, if you don't do anything with the data, what good was this audit that you did? Or if you're just using the data to reinforce a narrative that you want to tell about your company from like a corporate stakeholder perspective, yeah, mar- and a not market, actually a, market, letting, a
0: marketing tool, yeah, not a policy to tool. tool, right?
1: And not just letting the numbers tell you what they're telling you and not asking your employees not asking the people who actually work in the company and are on the day to day uh ground floor levels asking them like hey what like what are you seeing what are you not seeing what actually is our company culture like that that's a really big big point here another concern that people may have is that Under this umbrella of diversity, inclusion, equity, you could argue that the results from audits fit into diversity. They're literally telling you, paint by numbers, who do we have in different groups? And some people would say that that's not necessarily inclusion, because there can be a sense for some individuals that they have been, quote, unquote, token hires. They were hired because of the color of their skin. They were hired because they're a female, that type of thing. So, um that feeling of i am only hired because for like for me i might feel like i'm only hired because i'm a woman or i'm only hired because i have a disability then you if you're in that position you may feel like you have to work extra 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 hard to prove that i actually have skills and i was hired because i know how to do this job um and a lot of in one of the individuals i spoke to said that in her experience a lot of people who are hired in this quote-unquote tokenism fashion, don't actually last in a company that long. They'll leave after about maybe three years just because of the burden of often being the only or the first person. Uh, in the company that reflects that demographic
0: group. Advocacy fatigue. That was something Mm -hmm. that uh, the columnist Shane Baker talked about a couple of weeks ago. You see all these pieces, they connect together, Megan. (laughs) We both put our fingers together there to connect the pieces as we put our hands together uh, digitally afar in the province of Ontario. Megan, I'm going to choose my words carefully a bit here because I don't want to draw too many broad conclusions. But... In the aggregate, Canadian banks have done a pretty good job of hiring people with disabilities at some entry-level positions. I was once one of those people. There are other people who are on the show who were once some of those people as well. But how does disability fit into the broader conversation around some of these DEI shifts in corporations and some of these audits that are being done?
1: Sure. So um, the Employment Equity Act, uh, which is a federal Piece of legislation in Canada does identify people with disabilities as a group that often has barriers to employment, and they say companies need to work to address that. When you go through some of these audits, like TD's audits, or like some law firms will put together like big overall reports about the state of corporate diversity in Canada based on uh, reporting from publicly shared, publicly traded companies. You don't see a lot of employees with disabilities in general reflected in the data, um, in terms of a percentage point. You particularly don't see many of them in higher level roles, yeah, so board such members. A, or such executives.
0: a such an important like caveat to yeah. underline. There, it's it's probably one of the biggest caveats to underline.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and it's very similar. Like the numbers are, off my head, they're pretty similar to the numbers of indigenous employees. Who are in those same positions? So while publicly we hear a lot about getting more women in um, in specific positions, and full disclosure, I'm a woman. I'm you know I'm pretty like in favor of that. Um, or people of different ethnic groups. Um, again, I'm in favor of this. You don't hear a lot of broader cultural conversation around indigenous employees or employees who have disabilities. And I think that is something that people should just question a little bit more and ask, like, why do we talk about certain DEI initiatives more than we talk about others?
0: Yeah. Hey, Megan, really interesting stuff here. Thank you for breaking down some of this data. Have a great day. Uh, Talk to you later.
1: All right, bus systems might be connected in this program, but in this country, but contributors on this program are. So thanks for having me. There
0: yeah, I like that. that's a great job landing the plane. That's reporter Megan Gilmore. You can read her articles online. CanadianAffairs.news, CanadianAffairs.news. Check out Megan's work. It's really, really good. In sixty seconds, Alex Smythe has the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes.
2: Canada's main stock index edged higher yesterday but lagged behind its peers on Wall Street. Toronto's TSX index gained 17 points to close at 20,924. New York's Dow Jones average climbed 138 points and the Nasdaq added 49. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 23 points. Hong Kong's Hang Seng index surged 392 points or 2.6 percent and our dollar is trading overseas this morning. It's 74.19 cents U.S. West Fraser Timber Company says it is permanently closing its sawmill in Fraser Lake, B.C. after an orderly wind-down. The Vancouver-based company says it's unable to access economically viable fiber in the region. West Fraser says the closure will affect about 175 employees and it will mitigate the impact by providing work opportunities at its other operations. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo.
0: Thank you very much, Karen. Let's go from business to weather with Alex Smythe. Alex, the roller coaster of the Mercury continues across the country. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been
3: experiencing this Arctic winter blast over the last few weeks. Well, I have good news. That is going to start to dissipate starting today into later in the week where the warm Pacific air mass is going to make its way across the country, bringing warm and really above seasonal conditions. So let's start from the west side of the country and we'll make our way east. So starting in Alberta, the Calgary is projected to be four degrees today and the high will be seven degrees come Sunday. In Edmonton, you'll start to see a break in the freezing conditions starting Thursday. So they will be getting upwards of 10 to 20 degrees above normal in Edmonton. That's gonna begin Thursday into next week. Even Northern Alberta will experience some of that warmth because Grand Prairie is gonna be five degrees uh, this week and Fort McMurray plus four. That would be 14 to 16 degrees above seasonal conditions as we make our way eastward we'll go to Winnipeg next and Winnipeg we'll see by Sunday it will get to a high plus two not as warm but that's still going to be 10 to 20 degrees roughly above seasonal conditions in that area. And if we make our way more eastward, Ontario, Toronto, because Toronto is the center of the universe, we can't do any weather report without Toronto. Uh, by Friday, even though it's snowing in the region now, by Friday, you could see highs of five degrees. So it's a bit of the the ray of sunshine in the weather report that even if it's snowy, a bit cold right now, just look forward to later in the week. You'll start to get some relief above seasonal conditions, above freezing conditions in most of the country. So you can thank that to a warm
0: Pacific air mass as it makes its way from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, Dave. But don't forget the waterproof boots, or else you're going to have some very wet socks. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up next, Toronto's food scene, back to the centre of the universe, is going to light up later this month. Community reporter Mara Hutchinson tells you about Winterlicious. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.